Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Turn with me to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there should be one uh, in the back of the seat in front of you, perhaps in the back of the seat behind you. And we would encourage you to pick up that copy of God's Word and follow along with us. We will be in the book of Romans chapter number 1. Romans and chapter number 1. And if you found your place and if you're willing and able, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word? The book of Romans and chapter number 1. And let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which, had, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, thank you for your word. Use your word in these next few moments in our hearts and lives. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Who do you think you are? You ever heard that? You ever said that? Who do you think you are? This is something that everybody likes to think about at this time of the year. The beginning of the year is a great time to think about the kind of person that you are. The way you figure out the kind of person you are is you think about the kind of person you used to be. You think about the kind of person that you want to be. In fact, chances are you made resolutions or commitments about the who you want to be in 2019. Made all kinds of decisions about the kind of things you'll do, the kind of places you'll go. Isn't that the promise at the new year? The promise that you can be a brand new you. You don't have to be the old you. You can be a new you. And that lasts right until, what, the second week in February, right? Isn't that when those Krispy Kreme donuts call our name way too much? And we can be somebody new in 2020. For now, I'm going to be the Krispy Kreme guy, right? That's about how long they last. At the beginning of the year, making 
a resolution or making a commitment or making a decision is easy. But keeping that decision is what's difficult. Almost impossible, one might say. Who do you think you are? Who do you want to be? Who have you been? And tragically, very few people, even few Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christians, ever rightly answer that question. Who do you think you are? Young, old, male, female, rich, poor? This is the world's fundamental problem. That we do not understand who we are. We have no idea who we have been. And we choose to define ourselves on who we want to be, not according to God and according to His Word, but according to our own passions, our own desires, our own lust, our own hearts, what we think is best for us, or what someone else says is best for us. We define ourselves according to all these other characteristics or qualities, and we ignore how God in His Word defines us. You want to see how the Apostle Paul defines himself? Look at verse number 14. I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. You want to see how Paul defines who he is? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am debtor, I am ready, and I am ashamed. How does the Apostle Paul define who he is? Or who do you think you are? Paul answered that with, I am a debtor, and I am ready, and I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, why can Paul say that? Well, why does Paul believe that? Why does Paul think that? Well, he finishes it in verse number 16, half of that verse. For it. What? For, for it. What is, what is the it? The it is the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is, you could, you could add that to that back half of verse 16, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I know immediately some in the room hear that. They immediately reject that idea. The gospel of Christ is the power of God for other people, but not for me, because you don't know how bad I have been. Well, the gospel of God is the power of God for others, but it is not for me, because you don't know the awful places I've gone to. You don't know the awful things I've seen. You don't know the terrible things I've done. And yet, even at the writing of this letter to the church that is at Rome, 
The Apostle Paul is telling us, he is defining for us how God sees us and the length at which God has gone to to love us and to make you and me brand new. And God is not simply interested in giving us new resolutions. God is interested in making you a brand new creation. In fact, that's how, the, that's how the letter even starts. I had great anticipation of getting from verse number 1 to verse number 17 at the very first sermon. And then I started reading the verses. And they're so full of a wealth of information. Look at verse number 1. Paul. Paul. Paul had not always been known as Paul. Paul formerly was known as Saul. Does that name ring a bell to you? Saul. Now where have we heard that name before? Well, if you go back to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter number 8, you read in verse number 1, And Saul consenting unto his death. The his there is talking about the person they referenced in chapter 7, which is a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen was one of the very first deacons in the first church. Stephen, Stephen, a deacon, I blended those two words together, naming him Stephen. Stephen was a deacon in the first church because, well, by reputation, he was a man full of the Holy Ghost. He was a man who served the church, loved God, loved others, and thus fulfilled the law of God as Jesus taught us. So Stephen is given this position as a deacon in the church, and Saul, in chapter 8, verse number 1, was consenting. He was allowing. He was approving. He was applauding his, Stephen's, death. Saul was applauding the death of a man who was uniquely and distinguishedly known as having loved God and full of the Holy Ghost. Saul is killing Christians. That's what he's doing. Look at chapter 9, verse number 1. And Saul, there's that name again. There's that person again. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he, Saul, found any of this way. And so that phrase, any of this way, means anyone who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Any of this way. Any of those believers. Any of those Christians. So Saul gets permission from the high priest, which is like the Supreme Court, to go about and find anyone who believes on the this person named Jesus Christ, and he can then breathe out threatenings and slaughter, and he can persecute them. In fact, you want to hear Saul talk about it himself? Go to Acts chapter number 26. Paul is giving a personal testimony. 
of his own spiritual journey. And in verse number 9 of Acts chapter 26, here's what Saul says. For I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. Okay, so time out. Here's what he said. He said, I thought that I should go around doing things contrary. We know what that word means, don't we? Against, that there's a hostility toward anything that was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've prayed this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've given this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We sang this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very first song this morning was done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, only Jesus. And what Saul just said is he went about, got permission from the Supreme Court, and applauded all those who did things hostile or contrary or persecuted those who did the things that we've all done this morning. So verse number 10 of Acts chapter 26. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. Look here. Here's what he just said. He said, I was the one who got permission from the courts to do it. I was the one who got permission from the high priest to go around and find them. I was the one who hunted them down. I found myself doing everything contrary or against or hostile had a hostility toward anyone who was of this way, anyone who believed in Jesus. And I persecuted them, I threatened them, I attacked them, I arrested them, and I even gave my voice to have them killed. Which is a way of saying, I gave them my permission to kill them. It's a pretty bad guy, isn't it? Look at verse 11 of chapter 26 of the book of Acts. And I punished them oft in every synagogue. And I compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. So he ran them down. He chased them. When he drove them out of Jerusalem, when they ran from his streets, he went after them. In fact, that's what he did in verse number 12. And when I went to Damascus with authority and commission of the chief priests. So he's going to Damascus. Why? Because that's where other believers are. That's where Christians are. That's where those who have professed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where they are. And Paul Otherwise known as Saul, did everything against them. He was hostile toward them. Verse number 14. So I was on the way. It was middle of the day. Verse number 13. Verse 14. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said... Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So Saul, look here, was this devout 
Pharisee who hated all those who professed the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He denied Christ. He arrested those who believed in Christ. He even had them put to death. The most prominent of all, which was obviously Stephen, he had him executed, even gave his approval and applause for it. And then on the road to Damascus, this man named Saul was strong-armed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And Saul believed. Saul believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became saved, as he would later tell us. I say, Pastor, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with the study of Romans? Here it is. Romans teaches us that with the gospel of God, Anyone and everyone is welcome. It is the power of God for everyone that believeth, including you and including me. That no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from, no matter if you grew up in church or if you just got off death row with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, anyone and everyone is welcome there. Paul is the classic example. Why? Because he simultaneously knows more Scripture than all of us put together, and yet he is also a murderer, and he is the one that God goes after. I love, I absolutely love how this letter opens. Paul, not Saul, not who I used to be, not who you thought I was, but Paul, why? Because I am defined by what Christ has done in my life, not who I used to be. I am debtor. I am ready. And I preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is to say this just by way of application then, that your capacity to sin is not greater than God's capacity to forgive you of your sin. Your capacity to sin is not greater than God's capacity to forgive you of your sin. And God's grace is greater than. You see, this is one of the things we love about the new year is we don't have to be defined by all that stuff we did in 2018. We just want to forget it. We want to move on. We want to press forward. But haven't you found this to be true in your commitment, in your resolutions, that those regrets, that that guilt, that that shame, it always follows you? It always runs you down? It always locates you? It always Facebook friends you? It always shows up along the way? And run as fast and as far as you want, but it will find you. Behold, your sin will find you out. But there's only one place to run with your sin, and that is to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one place to go with your sin, and that is to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is the power of God. It's the only way of escape made available for you and for me. Two, two points then. Number one, the messenger of the gospel. 
Who is this messenger? His name is Paul. Three things about Paul that he tells us here. He tells us first that he's a servant. He's a servant of Jesus Christ. Okay, so we are immediately confronted with a choice, aren't we? Jesus called Christ was killed about A.D. 30. He was killed by a Roman governor by the name of Pilate. He was dead. He was put into the tomb. And now what Paul is saying is this man, that man named Jesus, called Christ, who was executed by Pilate, that that man in fact is not dead, but is Paul's master, and Paul is that man's servant. So Paul sees himself as a servant to Christ. What does that mean? It means this, Paul is living and writing and serving and working as if Christ ruled him. As if Christ owned him. As if Christ were the master and Paul were the servant. Paul is the servant. Look at what he says. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. So with Paul... Everything in his life was subordinate and subject to Christ. Everything in his life, every affection, every desire, every entertainment, every hobby, every relationship, everything was subordinate and subject to Christ. So here's what he says, I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. So therefore, glorify, I glorify God in me. That's what he says in Galatians in our study. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is everything in your life subordinate and subject to Christ? Do you see yourself as a servant to Jesus Christ? Those children he entrusted you with, are you subordinate and subject to him in how you raise them? That money you have in your pocket, do you see it as your money? Or do you see it as subordinate and subject to Christ? Whatever he tells you to do with it, that's what you'll do. That job you have, do you see that as subordinate and subject to Christ? It's his job, it's his company, it's his employees, it's his. Whatever he wants to do, that's what I want done in my life. See, because this is what I find in my life. It's when I start to hang on to those things. I said, this is mine. This belongs to me. Well, that's, that's when I meet resistance, isn't it? Is everything in your life this morning subordinate and subject to Christ? Could you say of your relationships, of your children, of your money, of your job, of your future, of your health, of your free time, of your entertainments, you are the master and I am the servant and it's all subordinate and subject to you. God, whatever you want and whatever you don't want, that is what I want. One of the ways we bring glory to God is to live our lives this way. Living to please Him, not ourselves. The servant has one job, doesn't he? The servant has one job. What is the servant's one job? Please the master. It's his only job. Please the master. Paul says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I have one job and one job only. What is it? Please Christ. That's it. Listen, you have one job. Please Christ. 
You go, no, Pastor, you know, I got all kinds of stress. I got all kinds of pressure. I got this person and that company and this employee and this wife and this and bills. And I got to make all these people happy. And I just feel like I'm being pulled every which way. Who do I make happy? Who do I please? Somebody's going to get let down. Listen, live for the audience of one. Live to please one. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter number one, verse number, verse number 10. Do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Here's what he says. If I'm living my life to make everyone else happy and not God happy, then I'm their servants and I'm not his servant. But I am first and foremost his servant. I've said this over and over as it relates to my relationship with Amanda. It is most important that Amanda Jesus Christ. Not me. Because if she serves Jesus the way that she is supposed to, guess what? She'll serve me also. And if I serve Jesus the way I'm supposed to, guess what? Then I'll serve her also. It is not first and foremost that she lives to please me. It is first and foremost that Amanda lives to please God. And in pleasing God, she'll please me, she'll please her children, she'll please her friends, and she'll please everyone else along the way. And the same is true for you and the same is true for me. Paul is servant of Jesus Christ. Number two, he's called to be an apostle. So Paul's master, Jesus Christ, Paul's mandate to be an apostle. The word apostle means the sent one. It referred to a messenger who has been officially commissioned to deliver a certain message. In the New Testament time, apostles were ones who received direct revelation from God. Apostles were ones who were eyewitnesses to the ministry and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they were given, they were delegated a certain authority from Jesus Christ to preside over the affairs of the church. It is why we do not believe in apostles today. I'm not an apostle. I'm a pastor. That's what I am. We would reject the idea of someone being an apostle. Why? Because an apostle is someone who was an eyewitness to the ministry and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically, particularly. But when Paul uses the word apostle here, it's, it's a designation. He's saying, I am an apostle. And he's using it for a purpose. And the reason is that those who he is writing to in the church at Rome will know that he writes with an infallible and binding authority. So he's writing with this authority. He's saying, this is, this is not what I came to my own. This wasn't my own idea. This isn't the way I think it should go. This isn't just my opinion about the way that the church works best. I'm writing to you on the authority, the infallible authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle. So what he's saying is the truth that proceeds from his pen flows directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are not apostles in that way. You and I are not apostles in that way. But we all do have a calling. We're not called to be apostles, but we're all called to be something. You have a specific calling. You have a specific gift. You have a specific ability. Paul is saying, this is my calling, and God will use it for his glory in his church 
in his own way, for his own purposes. And here's what I'm wondering for you and for me. Have we said the same things about our gifts and about our, our callings? Could you, like the Apostle Paul, say, I am called by God to do this, look here, for the church, for the good of others. It's amazing. New Testament Christianity knows nothing about churchless Christianity. Knows nothing about churchless Christianity. New Testament Christianity is filled of how they served one another in and through the church. Why is God giving you the abilities He's giving you? Why is God giving you the talent He has? Why is God giving you the desires that He has? Why is God giving you this? Why? For His purpose, for His glory to be used, listen, in the local church. It's good, Pastor. Keep it up. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> Servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle. Third one, last one. Separated unto the gospel of God. Look at, look at the last half of verse number one. Separated unto the gospel of God. And Paul understood that he had been set apart by God for a specific purpose of spreading the gospel far and wide. He was willing to go anywhere, do anything to advance the gospel. And so, so Paul, Paul, Paul wants there to be no misunderstanding about what he is about. What is he about? He's about serving his master, the Lord Jesus Christ, delivering the mandate that God has specifically given to him as an apostle, using his gifts and abilities for the local church, but also separated unto, set apart for the specific task of doing what? With a specific task of doing what? Giving out the gospel of God. That is to say that when we deal with the book of Romans, we're not simply dealing with a letter that's the mere work of a man, but we're dealing with the work of God in man. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, this is how God worked in me, and this is how God wants to work in you. So we see number one, the messenger of the gospel. Number two, we'll go fast. The source of the gospel is that we're done. Notice the source of the gospel. Gospel of God. You see how that is in verse number one? The gospel of God. Who's the author of the gospel? Not Paul. Who's the architect of the gospel? It's not a church. Who's the, who's the proprietor of the gospel? It's not a seminary. It's not a college. It's not a denomination. The gospel is God's. That's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm not the author of this. I'm just the messenger of this. The gospel of God. It does not mean that it is just about God. What it means is it means that it belongs to God. The gospel of God. We say it like this. The church belongs to God. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful the church belongs to him and not you and me? Because we would mess it up, wouldn't we? Wait till you hear about what we have planned in 2019. Aren't you glad it doesn't belong to us? It belongs to him. And by the way, he's doing a great job with the church. Look around. It belongs to him. The gospel belongs to him. It's not you. It's not, it's not yours. It's not mine. It's not ours. 
It doesn't come from a seminary, or it doesn't come from a college. It doesn't come from a denomination. It doesn't come from a mere man. It is the gospel of God himself. That's what he's saying. It is the gospel of God. It's exclusive. Notice this. The gospel of God. Whenever you, whenever you read in the, in the New Testament the word gospel, you will always find the or the in front of it. Not a gospel. Not one of many. The singular, exclusive, one and only. There's only one way to God. What is the one way to God? Through his gospel. What's his gospel? The life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not many ways to God. There's one way to God. That's through Jesus Christ alone. Say, Pastor, why, why are you so mean about this? Why are you so exclusive? Why don't you just open up and all religions lead to Jesus? Because it's not my gospel. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. And that's what he said. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's it. The gospel of God. What is the gospel of God? Look at verse 2. Which, okay, so the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the whole, I, I, we don't have time for all of this, but watch. Which, the gospel of God, which he promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, where did it come from? Who's its originator? Who's the author? God. It's not just exclusive. It's that it is promised. It was promised afore by the prophets. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we will study through the book of Romans is not some new religion. It's the fulfillment of an old religion. The gospel was prophesied and promised throughout the pages of the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. It was announced to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was believed by Abraham when he received the promised land. It was received by Moses on the Mount Sinai. It was pictured in the Levitical sacrificial system of the law. It was proclaimed by the prophets in all of Israel. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. That Christ was preached long before Christ ever showed up and then he showed up and he must be believed in order to gain access with God. It's simply to say this, that Paul did not come up with this message and neither did you or I. The message does not belong to you. It does not belong to me. It's God's. And God gave his word. And hear me, when God gives his word, God always keeps his word. There aren't very many people in this world that are good for their word, but God is. God is. Paul will prove this all throughout the rest of the book. He'll quote the Old Testament no less than 60 times. The revealer of the promise? God. The recipients of the promise? The prophets. The record of the promise? The Holy Scriptures. And Paul delivers the fulfillment of that promise to you and to me through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We've said this before, but the words of the Bible matter. Why? Because they're the words of God. And Paul believed the same thing. The church at Rome believed the same thing. And you and I believe the same thing. It's why we have the teaching and preaching practice we do here at First Baptist. Next chapter, the next what? Verse. Why? Because that's God's word that we commit ourselves to. It's God's word we hold ourselves to. Not the word of Dave. Not the word of a man. Not the word of church leadership. But the word of God. And God is always good for his word. Hundreds of years go by, the Jews wonder if the Messiah will ever come. They go through horrendous suffering, and then God acts on the promise. A baby is delivered in a manger, the backside of nowhere. It's what we celebrated at Christmas, the coming of Jesus into the world. And the coming of Jesus into the world, Paul says, that was promised long before it ever happened. There is no other way to be right with God except through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he adds in verse number 17, look at that last verse with me. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for as it is the just shall live by faith. That's how the righteousness of God is revealed. How is it revealed? By faith. For it is written, the just live by faith. So we by faith take God at his word, making ourselves servant to him. My life, Lord, it's yours to control. I give you my heart and my soul. My 2019, Lord, it's yours. It belongs to you. My family, my job, my resources, my calling. God, it's yours. How many of you like me say, that's what I want my prayer to be, Pastor? That's what I want my prayer to be. Me too. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we ask that you would Get glory from our lives, individually, specifically, but also corporately. Who do we think we are? Well, we hope that like Paul we could say we're servants, we're servants of Jesus Christ. We hope that like Paul, we could say called to be apostles, and called to serve Jesus in some way with our gifts, with our abilities, with our talents, called to serve. Set apart for the sake of what? For the sake of telling all men everywhere that they are welcome. They are welcome at the gospel. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, if you're here, you say, Pastor, while you were preaching, God spoke to my heart. And God showed me something in my life, in this 2019, that I need to surrender, make subject to him. There's a specific area that I've been holding out on. And God showed me that this morning.
Pastor, I need the courage and I need the prayers to surrender that area to him. Pray for me, Pastor. Would you slip your hand up? Slip your hand up all across the room. Mine's up too. I wonder if you hear this morning, you say, Pastor, while you were preaching, God spoke to my heart and I realized that I do not know that my sins would be forgiven. I don't know that I've ever believed the gospel. And God showed me that today. And if I were to die today, I do not know that heaven would be my home. And Pastor, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Let us pray for you. God bless you. Who else? Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pastor, would you pray for me? God bless you. Who else? I think there's two. How about you, friend? God bless you. Maybe three. No one looking but some of our pastors would like to pray for you. God bless you, sir. I appreciate that courage. God bless you, ma'am. I appreciate that courage. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I do not know for sure that heaven would be my home. I do not know for sure my sins would be forgiven. Pray for me. If you raised your hand, would you just look at me for a second? Would you just lift your head up and look at me? Our pastors are standing right here at the front. We'd love to take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt heaven is your home. Doesn't matter what a church says, doesn't matter what a pastor says. What matters is what does God and his word say? You need to know about how to have forgiveness of sins and a home in heaven with him. So in just a moment, we're all going to stand to our feet. Some folks will come to pray. And I would invite you. I'll be standing here in the center. I would love to take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can know that heaven is your home. Would you let me do that for you? Would you let me do that with you? God bless you. I don't know in what other way God might have spoken to your heart. But if God did speak to your heart, this is what I'll ask. Before we just run throughout the rest of the day, before we just get into the busyness of Sunday, can we just take a minute or two this morning and just pause and ask the Lord to lead us, to guide us, to keep us servant and subject to him? Maybe, maybe this morning we need to surrender again those things in our hearts and lives to him. Can we just pause and reflect on what we've heard? 